inviting you to ask any questions or any, make any comments you like. We'll do that for about five minutes, and then we'll go there and get some cookies. Okay, so the floor is open to whatever you want. Yes, sir. Um, when you talk about symbols in the church, one of the symbols of the tabernacle is Jesus' presence in the church itself. Uh -huh. And I'm curious as to why it was moved from the central location to a sidebar. Mm -hmm. Well, the tabernacle is a uh, somewhat of a late development. Uh, what the history of that is very simple, is that we kept the Eucharist for those who, were, who, who might die during the week. And that was not kept in the church itself. I mean, in the, in the center part of the church. And then um, people, by the way, used to take some of the Eucharist home with them so that during the week they could have there'd be their daily bread. Um, then, uh, when people stopped receiving communion, generally speaking, not just the cup, but stopped receiving communion, they, instead of being part of the action of the Mass, which is joining with the Lord and so forth, they wanted simply to adore. And the tabernacle and the monstrance came into being. The monstrance is like a reliquary. It was as though this, the body of Jesus were like a relic and that you adore it. So that was moved uh, more and more to the center of the church and it was adoring the Eucharist as opposed to entering into the action of the Eucharist. And so, as has been happening in the last 35 years, we've been returning to our old traditions. Some of the Eucharist is saved for the sick and for the dying. And it is put in a place where people can come close, privately and quietly. When we build new churches now, we build a chapel where a person, where there is quiet, and there's not no visiting. And you can kneel close to the tabernacle or sit close to the tabernacle, and it's a place of quiet veneration. But to put it on the altar, as something to be adored, that happened when we stopped being part of the action and simply wanted to adore Christ. So it's understandable that Catholics who grew up with that would uh, wonder why, but that's why, in a nutshell. Other questions? Yes, in the back. I can tell you the answer. They spend money on it. They buy a bus. They pay a youth director. You want, when I came to this diocese, there were probably in 110 parishes, two paid youth directors. We're up now. We're, we're getting much better. But uh, one of the problems in the Catholic Church, we're not a poor church at all, is that uh, one of the problems, though, is that we have not paid staff to do the diverse ministries in parishes. Because it used to be that you had the priest and the answer And that's all you needed. And uh, now, uh, we appreciate it now that there is more than that needed. 
that you need someone who's going to work full time with youth. Well, that's going to add $30,000 to your budget. I mean, when you put in benefits and so forth. And you're going to need a bus, maybe two buses. And uh, you go to that same Baptist church, and you'll also look at their budget and see that it's far, far in excess of the normal Catholic parish. Not that we're stingy or not that we're poor. We're just not used to doing that. Why, why just you talk about, uh, take another example, music. And you take a look at the budget for music in the Baptist or Presbyterian or Lutheran church and look at the budget for music in the parishes in this country, the Catholic parishes, and you'll find a huge difference. But that's why, and, and it's the biggest reason. Uh, we're, I, again, I keep saying that we're moving, we're coming back from 80, and we're aware of these kinds of things. And uh, it's it probably the thing I hear the most from people in terms of what they worry about in the church is youth. And so we are trying very hard to get a youth director in every parish, if only part-time. But someone who has the skill and the ability to, to do that ministry. But you make a good point. Other questions, observations? I'll come here, haven't heard from you, yes? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's ultimately, it's a discretion of the pastor. The bishop could put some muscle behind it and, and say that I want this done. Now I believe, I believe in every diocese, every parish of the Diocese of Saginaw, they give the one. I think so. Uh, it's certainly what I want. But no, it's not, it's not mandated uh, at every Mass. Uh, but again, we're coming back 35 years ago, it was at no Mass. That's, that's a very short time ago. 35 years ago, nobody but the priest received from the cup. Yes? Uh huh. Could you hear that in the back? She said that, uh, talking nice about this prayer, she said the pastor's the cutest little fellow she's ever seen. <laughs> No, she said that she's there. She, she said that she said that she's new to this parish. They're new to this parish, and they want to compliment the people of this parish because of the way you sing and the friendliness and so forth. So that's I want to make sure everybody heard that because that's very very nice to hear. Uh, I I think that the uh, I think that we are. Uh, not just this parish, but I know this parish for one, we're moving in an awfully good direction. We're moving in an awfully good direction. And uh, we, uh, we, we face, as any family faces, uh, difficulties in the church, one, the biggest one being the shortage of priests. But, you know, families manage and manage rather well when they stick together and uh, when they... Uh, work as a family. Yes? 
Yeah. Should a non is a non-Catholic allowed to receive communion? Um, first, the first thing that you learn, I learned it even in the, in the old church, is that you, it's very difficult to make a decision at the time of when the person is up there receiving communion. Whether the person is, uh, you don't know who's Catholic and who's non-Catholic. There are certain cases in which a non-Catholic can receive communion fully legally. Uh, for example, the bride or non-Catholic bride or groom at the wedding, family at a funeral, and so forth. There, uh, we're, we're almost in some in relationship to some uh, denominations. We're on the borderline of intercommunion. We will allow Orthodox, who are separate from the Catholic Church, to receive communion. But it has, we have not fully crossed that line yet. So, uh, I, my mother died at 92, and uh, my mother was a traditional Catholic. She thought the church was doing pretty well until about the year I was ordained. <laughs> she saw a cause and effect there that I didn't see. And she was living in a place where uh, a, a, a place for the elderly, but, but but independent but elderly anyway. And it was on the on the mother house of the Immaculate Heart of Mary sisters in Monroe, Michigan. And she went to a, one of their people died and went to the funeral in the in the mother house. And a Lutheran who was living in that facility, a Lutheran man, leaned over to my mother and said, can I receive communion at this funeral? I mean, Mary and I were good friends and so forth, and I'm a good Lutheran, and one of the nuns told me that I couldn't. And my mother was, she was, said to me, she said, um, I told him, of course he could. It must have been one of those older nuns that said that. <laughs> And she said, I did the right thing, didn't I? And I, I decided not to turn her in. Uh, <laughs> so you're in that situation. I would, for, uh, we, we don't have, uh, no, in most, except for those exceptional cases, we do not have intercommunion as the Protestants do in many respects. The Lutherans and the Episcopalians have interministry now, the ELCA Lutherans. But, uh, so I would never, I never at a wedding or a funeral say, anybody wants to come can come. I never do that. First of all, you put people on the spot. Because if you don't come, then you must, you know, whatever. Nor do I, do I like it when it happens at a wedding sometimes uh, when people at their own initiative come forward for communion and obviously don't know what they're doing. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to arm wrestle at communion time. But I don't like it when someone comes up and stands in front of me, you know, and uh, I say to her, do you want communion? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do that. So you can, people will say, well, we all believe we all should be receiving. Yes, but we should know what we're doing. So we're getting close. We're getting close. Speaking of getting close, we're at 2.30, and I said that that's when we'd end. I, I, learned, uh, I learned a long time ago that... Uh, you, uh, 
you uh, never want to speak. Never, never, whenever you're giving a talk, this is Utner's principle, whenever you're giving a talk, no matter how well it's going, no matter how loud they're clapping or how loud they're laughing, don't ever think that they're having as much fun as you are. <laughs> so I'm enjoying this very much, but I know you have places to go and things to do, and you've been sitting still for a long time. So I'd pick up on this comment here about, uh, yes? Would you play beer, beer barrel? Would I play the beer barrel poker? <laughs> All right, we're going to end at her request. <laughs> Only, how many? How many people here have some Polish blood in them? Raise your hands. Oh, my God. All right. You ready? Roll out the barrel. We'll have a barrel of fun. Roll out the barrel. we got the blues on the run. Gangs all here. I don't want her. You can have her. She's too fat for me. She's too fat for me. She's too fat for me. Oh, I don't want her. You can have her. She's too fat for me. She's too fat. She's too fat. She's too fat for me. Amen. <laughs> My mother's saying, oh, my God. <laughs> when I was ordained in 92, and uh, we had an assembly of priests meeting um, just a month or two after I was ordained, and uh, Ken talked about the Mass and things that we believe, in his homilies, as he often does, and I have to say that uh, I have absorbed uh, so much good stuff about what we believe just by hearing him talk, and uh, it was good just to, to be here today I, for me, too, because I get all involved in, in the doing of the Mass, and so I need to hear these kinds of things, too, because it helps me to pray. I, I, I should say, though, that it, with, the bishop has made some comments uh, about... Uh, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> of all the things that I have ever had an ordained person say about me, I would have to say that these uh, today have been the most recent. Uh, and, but it is good to have you here, Ken. Uh, thank you so much for coming. There are refreshments in the back. Please feel free to stay, visit, talk as long as you like.